1: Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast desperately longing to be taken home by some country roads, it's SIFPOD. You want me to be taken home, Josh? Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that song has been featured as a plot point in three different movies this year. On Denver's country roads take me home. It just blows my mind. Like what
2: it so, like, yeah, out of out of left field, his he's been dead for a long time. It's not like he just died and people just discovered him.
1: Yeah. And that song's like a quarter century old. Like it is it has been out a while. So, <laughs> yes. Actually, more we than did, that. It's like I, 40 I, years old. I do a tour bus
2: sometimes here in Nashville, and that's how we end our tours as we sing that song as we head <laughs> back to to drop people off we it's a sing-along everybody on the bus I'm in I'm in Nashville of course so Makes yeah sense. so everybody gets on the bus and has their
1: tour and then we sing it on the way
2: way back <laughs>
1: Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get those perks! (laughs) Wow, you blew out your microphone. That was amazing. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com, and each week I'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And the voice you hear is Josh from the Nether Region. Welcome, Josh. Ooh, good to have you, man. Pedro's get those perks, as well as from your. It's good uh, to be here. Your local Cineplex. You've been in movies and stuff, man. I'm super famous. <laughs> everybody,
2: everybody can Google me right now. I played EMT two,
1: salesman, iconic guy goals. in back of bus. <laughs> um, last time you were on, you hit. You had had an experience with uh, De Niro. So you have any, like, new stories That's to tell true. us? Um, I do have
2: an update on that. That movie was supposed to be released next month in October, and it's actually going to be released in February.
1: Oh, they're holding um, it.
2: The War with Grandpa. Yeah, they're holding it. Um, they're, I guess they're not quite done with it.
1: Well, this is going
2: to affect your uh, Oscar chances. I know. <laughs> <sighs> People Next year, they'll forget about me by the time the end of the year rolls around. But what are you going to do? So no 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 I don't think I had I had the um, you know I've just typical actor stories of terrible on set experiences or good ones and stuff so uh, it's probably a podcast all in itself
1: yeah well we've got time man <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right we'll go all into it but I did do a training video at the beginning of this week nice I got my scripts ahead of time there were five scripts and they said they need them memorized if they can be. I got on set. There were twenty-one scripts total, <laughs> all between seven and fourteen pages long. And they asked me. They said, "Well, we can have a teleprompter, but we would prefer it if you memorized them <laughs> <laughs> on the day." Um, yeah. Aside from the first five, yeah, the rest of them were on the day. So I, I said, "No, I said you, you're going to have to help me out here. Give me a wow. teleprompter." So we did. We figured it. We figured it out. But. They, they weren't mean or malicious. They just don't do production work. So they didn't realize, you know, it's a it's a company, It you know, a branding company, not a branding company, but a famous brand. And they yeah, they don't deal with video content or anything. So they didn't know what they what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's the short nicest version I can think
1: of for that uh, experience. <laughs> Listen, we just want you to like, you know, burn all your bridges, like cut all your ties, like just throw them all under the bus, <laughs> Josh. You don't need to work anymore. <laughs>
2: Talk trash about De Niro. That's and right. You'll be next, man. I'll be talking. I'll be That's talking right. trash about you. Hey,
1: listen. If somebody says something bad about somebody else to you behind their back, you can bet they're saying bad things about you to somebody else. That's what my parents always.
0: <sighs>
2: oh, that makes sense. Those are words to live by.
1: Well, Josh, it is always a, uh, a pleasure to have you on. Um, I love getting to talk movies with you, so we're going to get there. We're going to talk uh, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. We're also going to do Best Ever Julianne Moore movies, which should be fun. Uh, and then we've got, of course, uh, Sift Quest, and we've got Buried Treasure. Um, but first, we want to take a look at some Do We Care. I'm going to read some uh, pop culture headlines, Josh, and you're going to decide if we care enough about them to talk about them. Uh, First headline uh, comes to us from the wonderful world of politics intersecting with pop culture. Jimmy Kimmel uh, has been involved very highly uh, in this new health thing that's coming down. Uh, Cassidy doubles down, says, Kimmel doesn't understand the health care bill. Do we care about this?
2: No. (laughs) No. maybe may, maybe in a different world i'm I'm a little uh, I'm a little burned out on uh, politics stuff personally lately mm-hmm. um, but I'm trying to do some healing right now but um, not it's not that I don't find it interesting it's more of a all right Josh how do you want to sleep tonight or not <laughs>
1: <laughs> well what I find, here's what I find interesting about it um. Okay. I feel like there's, a, and this can be all, all we have to say about it. Like, I don't want to go necessarily to the politics of the actual healthcare bill, honestly. Uh, but sure. I hear a lot of people say things on both sides of this thing when it seems to serve the way that they view the world. When a celebrity says something they agree with, it's like, oh, we should listen to this. But when it's something they don't agree with, it's like, what well, do they know they're a celebrity? And it's like, I think we need to just enter into our culture in a way that recognizes that we're all human beings who have opinions, but that doesn't make any one opinion more valid than another because of celebrity. And at the same time, uh, you know, celebrities should have the the ability to say those things as well. I don't think Jimmy Kimmel should shut up about it. Uh, And at the same time, Mm -hmm. I don't think his opinion matters anymore because he has a talk show. Does that make sense?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think, I think that's what I meant with this is, uh, do we care? I care to hear what you have to say about it, but I don't know that I care to add, add anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're spot on with it. I really do. Like that's people. And I think people know that with their in their hearts or their brain one, but the other one keeps getting in the way.
1: I think for um, this case in particular, it's just it's weird to think of people saying, well, uh, you know, celebrities can't have an opinion on this stuff. I mean, if you look at our news culture, even our news culture is becoming celebrity driven. Like our you know, the people who give us quote unquote news are doing it for entertainment in celebrity. Um, our our president comes sure. from celebrity culture. Like it's just it's weird to think Yeah, and he's not
2: he's not even the first one to come from celebrity. C- that was like when we were kids that president came from celebrity culture. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um Yeah, I think everybody should be able to have a voice. And I don't think anybody's voice is more important than anybody else's on these topics. So that's the only thing I wanted to mention about it. Uh, We'll move on to headline number two. Uh, I don't know. I thought this was maybe a little bit interesting. Marilyn Manson says the Columbine massacre destroyed his career. I don't know if you know this. Marilyn Manson actually is releasing a new album, kind of trying to revive his career. And he's talking openly about the fact that because the shooters at Columbine... Were I think mistakenly have said to be fans of his that that actually took his career down. Do we care?
2: Yes. Not that I care about Marilyn Manson, but I do find this interesting.
1: Yeah. Tell me a little you bit know, that. What do you find interesting?
2: The timing of it a little bit, but I. But I, I think I would rather talk about um, the whole this like because this is a debate that's as old as well anything else, but this idea of. Um, You remember when they they would try to outlaw, you know, rock music or rap music or different types of music because it was making kids evil and right. It's just um, because of all the studies and all that sort of thing. It just plays into all that only with a very very specific. I just I've always thought that was interesting. It's you know coming from I think you and I come from the similar background. We come from uh, a church background, so uh, mine was a little bit sheltered in some ways. Um, So. In my mind, there are things like, oh, I would never listen to that music. But also, it was coupled with, well, I don't believe that that music would make somebody kill somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, which was a weird spot to be because you're like, well, I don't agree with it. But I also don't think it's violent. You know, I don't know.
1: It's interesting to hear him talk about it too because, you know, uh, I can imagine being in his position. Now, obviously, he's doing very subversive music purposefully he's trying to get a a feel and tone from his music that that feels dark and subversive and you know even has elements of evil in it but you're right i wouldn't tie that directly to them and i don't think you know they would uh uh you know i think like i said i think they were mistakenly tied to him as well it reminds me of like kind of how the matrix uh even when columbine happened was uh tied to columbine because they wore you know jackets i don't know it's like our culture seems to long for connection to how pop culture is destroying the next generation it's like you want to make those sure. connections
2: and I, and even having said what i what i said i i still i do think it's possible as well you know what i mean i do think that if you are are fed some sort of content that that is a negative content i i think it makes sense that it would have a negative effect on you um but to blame it, one of my favorite movies is uh, the Fisher King and that's like that's right up that alley too, right? It's this DJ is a shock jock who says terrible things and somebody uses that as their motivation to go murder somebody. And it's a great it's a great story and it examines that side of it a little bit. It really more examines the the victim side of it um, and the reconciliation aspect of it. But it's a, it is a real thing. But not always a real thing, <laughs> and also not necessarily their fault, but also their fault.
1: <laughs> Josh, it seems you want to have it both ways.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like you have a right to say and do you – know, not do, but you have a right to say whatever you want. There's a personal responsibility each person has, and just because they are, don't have that responsibility um, and they open their mouth and say something terrible –
1: it is important to hold people accountable for their words, but I think uh I don't know that you can tie them on a direct one-to-one correlation and I think we have to be very careful about about that. Having said that, I mean, it's interesting for him to tie it directly to destroying his career because I think that's a little bit uh narrow-sighted as well. Like there I'm sure there were several factors that, you know, weighed into people not caring about his music as much. I mean, his career mirrors many people's careers like that that have, you know, a huge popularity, and then it just, you know, it dies really quickly. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting connection for him to make.
2: And if it was true, let's say it is true for a moment, um, it, it seems like, and I'm not trying to be, you know, Crass or rude or anything, but it seems like that. If you say something like that, you have to. It's like you have the freedom to say whatever you, you want, but there's going to be repercussions to that. And if that's what happened, then that's the repercussions of singing that. You know what I'm saying? If that is what, I'm, and I and this is me, somebody who doesn't know what the song was and never listened. You know, I don't know that I would know a Marilyn Manson song if it, if it bit me in the butt.
1: Uh, ready for uh, uh, headline number three? Yeah, let's do it. Frank Zappa's hologram set to tour next year. Do we care?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this
1: blows my mind. This is legitimate. They're going on. Frank Zappa is back on tour next year. He's been dead for a quarter that of a is century. So
2: that is so weird. But also, like, it's. I feel like. That's a that's a a backdrop of a sci-fi movie I would watch. (laughs) It's the future, and it's not the point of the movie. Is not that there's holograms of famous people singing? That's just like the the background of the movie.
1: (laughs) This is the future of entertainment. Uh, You know, singers, actors, whoever—they're never going to pass away. Now, like we will be able to digitally put anybody in a TV show or a movie or. You know, on tour or like it is just the initial stages of something that I think is coming and is going to happen. Uh, These especially actors now who are being filmed in these high, high resolutions in three dimensions, uh, you're going to be able to put them in anything you want to, uh, you know, forgetting all the legal ramifications of who owns those kind of things. But just in the entertainment ramifications, it's definitely going to be a thing.
2: People are remaking, and will be able to remake
1: and reboot themselves. Yeah, yeah. When you become an entertainment brand, that's for that'll be forever. Now it won't just be for your lifetime.
2: Have you seen the movie uh, The Congress, Robin Wright?
1: No, I haven't.
2: Um, that's exactly what this movie is talking about. Not not holograms of singers, but it's it's about celebrities s- um, selling themselves so that they exists long after they die like the company still owns them and owns the rights to them. Hmm. And so the half the half of this this movie turns into a cartoon and she's like it's her an animated version of her. The movie's bizarre, it's really it's really weird and cool. But it's like an animated version of her is what exists only now. <laughs> Because she sold her identity, basically. Well, that's
1: crazy. I mean, that's where we're at, right? It's just, uh, yeah. It just kind of blows my mind. Um, I'll just read you some of these, these, uh, some of the stuff that these people are saying. I, I'm thrilled that Frank Zappa will finally be going back out on tour, playing his most well-known music as well as some rare and unheard material. Uh, but, but it's, wow. but it's not. <laughs> like it's not. Like, can we really call it Frank Zappa? I mean, it's it's a hologram of him. It's just so weird.
2: Yeah, it's it's it seems less like the evolution of a person going on concert and more like the uh, the evolution of a rebroadcast of a famous concert or something like yeah. a Fathom events, <laughs> right? Only instead of a whole screen, it's it's one person on a stage or
1: whatever. I have to say though, it's it is bizarre. It's so bizarre, but I have to say, if Michael Jackson goes on tour, I may go like I just you know it's it's hard to separate myself from how cool that would kind of be, you know
2: It'd be fascinating to see' Don't, even for example, I think it would be fascinating to see. I'm not a huge fan, but the the concept of it I mean that's what will happen if this is I mean this is a pilot, right? so if this goes well, then get out of the way. yeah, everybody who's dead's doing a tour.
1: Yeah. Um I, I think it's the future. It reminds me of like uh this is our version of Futurama's, you know, heads in a jar. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Where like every celebrity is just still around because they've saved their head in a jar. Uh I feel like these yeah. holograms is kind of that for us.
2: Well then, then the next step would be they the uh famous people not waiting till they're dead, it's just they're lazy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, there you go. There's Do We Care for this week. Uh, Let's move on to the movie review. Let's talk Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Eggsy, I saw in you what someone once
2: saw in me, something that can't be taught, the makings of a Kingsman. Being a Kingsman is more than the clothing we wear or the weapons we bear. It's about being willing to sacrifice for the greater good.
1: I hope you're ready what comes next with their headquarters destroyed and the world held hostage members of kingsman find new allies when they discover a spy organization in the u.s known as Statesmen. in an adventure that tests their strength and wits the elite secret agents from both sides of the pond band together to battle a ruthless enemy and save the day something that's becoming a bit of a habit for our friend eggsy uh, once again, stars uh, Taron Egerton as Eggsy, and of course, you've got Matthew Vaughn behind the camera directing. Uh, here's where I want to start. I want to start with what you thought of the first Kingsman movie, if you got a chance to see it, uh, and then we'll do the uh, like it, loved it, didn't you know, didn't like it, hated it for this one. So did you see the first one, Josh?
2: Uh, I did. Are we allowed to talk spoilers on the first one, by the way?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Uh, it is two years old, uh, so and if you don't want to hear them, then, yeah, you're just going to have to fast forward a little bit, because uh, <laughs> Josh wants to spoil the first Kingsman.
2: Well, I think it would be easier to have this conversation if, if we don't have to dance around a specific scene. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, yeah. Um, so the first one, uh, I generally liked, but there there were elements, specifically one terrifying scene- that that made me feel so gross that it's the type of mo- like that's the type of reason I would never watch that movie again because I don't I don't like the way they were trying to make me feel.
1: Are you talking specifically about the uh, the chapel scene? Yeah, the chapel scene. Yeah, yeah that that for me too. I had the same exact experience.
2: It made me feel sick to my stomach. Um, the gleeful delight the movie took. In the execution of so many people, because it 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 was a it felt like it was a filmmaker's decision, not an actor or a character's decision. If you know um, so that so that's that's really it. There's a couple other moments in the movie that I felt like were too much or they were felt like they were written by a 13 year old boy.
1: Right. Um, Including the ending.
2: Yes, especially the especially the ending. But in general, I thought it was a blast, and even that scene, like in the chapel scene, it's that's the the problem with it. It is is so fascinating and mesmerizing watching this scene. It's you can't take your eyes off it because it's so per- masterfully done, mm-hmm. you know. But that's the same reason it makes you want to, you know, throw up a little bit in your soul. <laughs>
1: i'm i'm so glad that you went first because now i don't have to say any of that because we felt the exact same way uh even about that (laughs) that specific scene uh it's just i I, the glee that vaughn takes in going uh going quote unquote too far uh it's just it's, it's 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 a little sickening to me sometimes and especially that scene i just i didn't i didn't enjoy it uh but was captivated by it and that that's bothersome to me um, and maybe <laughs> yeah. that's the point I yeah. don't know yeah uh, So what about this one? Did you yeah. like it love it dislike it hate it or it was just okay I liked it okay all right I am almost to liked it but I think I'm on the high side of it, it was just okay. I think I think for me, there's there's so much uh, lost in a sequel to a movie that's so fresh. When You know, the things that I loved about the original Kingsman movie, they're all here, but it's just it's not the same anymore, and that's not the movie's fault necessarily, but that brings it down a little bit yeah. uh, for me in those ways. Um, but I still, I, you know, I, they're still there, so I still liked kind of what was going on. What are some of the specific things that you liked about the sequel?
2: Um, I like the action sequences, Um, And I liked the action sequences in the first one, but the reason I I think I liked them a little better is they were, they actually pulled their punches a little bit. I felt like Um, it wasn't as disturbing as the first one. Um, And I actually liked that decision that they didn't try and make it even worse or more or try and match a scene like that last one. Um, So the action sequence are there. I mean, they're a delight to to watch. Um, And then I thought, the the same it's the the 14 the 13 year old boy like those jokes that are there but there's also like a part of the 13 year old boy's decisions in making a movie that i thought were really fun (laughs) (laughs) so not like the not like not like the dirty joke aspects but like some of the ideas of you know the pun of names or like the the character archetypes i thought they worked really well i thought they were fun and um Right on par with the tone of the movie, like they, that's the best, like that's the best way to say it. They knew exactly what movie they were
1: in. That is exactly it. Those, are, those are the, my two points as well. It sounds like we're going to be down the line in agreement on this because I, I <laughs> feel like the the main two things are number one, the action stuff is so much fun to watch. Those set pieces are so incredible. Uh, you know, moments of slow motion of people flying through the air. It's it's you know, it's almost art. In many ways, and yeah. and there's just there's a giddiness to it and a coolness to it. I'm glad you brought up the restraint because what's interesting is I felt the same way as you. I came out of this one going, "Oh, Matthew Vaughn showed a little restraint." You know, he likes to go over yeah. the line. There's still that stuff there, um, but it wasn't as grotesque to me this time as the first one, especially yeah. with the violence. And then after I did my review today. As I like to do, I went and read, you know, some of the other reviewers who I really like and respect, I, you know, uh, went through about five or six reviews. Every single one of them said it was even more over the top than the first one. And I'm just going, man, I did not, like, I just didn't feel that way. Like, they were bringing it down because... Oh, I didn't it, either. Yeah. I, yeah, it was really interesting to me to see that most other critics, at least the ones that I was reading think he took what he did in the first one and even went further over the line. And I'm going, I just didn't see huh. that at all. But um, but man, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear you back me up on that. That's interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I did not get that at all. I think even if you took the, the one scene we were talking about in the chapel from the first one, mm-hmm. even if you took that out of the equation, I still think this is a more restrained movie than that other movie, even without that scene.
1: Yeah, yeah I thought so too. And then the other thing that you mentioned that I, I totally agree with, Uh, is the tone of the movie is so perfect. And here's the thing. It's so consistent. Like, every actor in this movie knows exactly the movie they're in. And you're dealing with, you know, uh, big names like Bridges and Julianne Moore and Channing Tatum and uh, Emily Watson and just, you know, down the line. They all knew the movie they were in, and it felt consistent all the way through. And the reason that's so important, I mean, there's many reasons consistency of tone is important. But one of the main reasons is when you are consistent with your tone, even if you're a goofy, silly, 13-year-old brain movie, you can still actually pull emotion because people live in the world the whole time. So emotion doesn't have to be out of place. And there are some moments in this movie, one in particular that I'm not going to spoil here, but we can talk about in spoilers, that I thought the emotion really worked. And I think that is because the tone is so consistent from beginning to end, that you live in the world with these people, and so you believe it.
2: The, also, when you're dealing with a movie that um, is living in a heightened world, so it's a world that's got different rules than our than our rules. The only way you can do that is you still have to have a grasp of those rules, uh, and that goes with character consistency. But um, but even like how far like the ridiculous action goes. Even in that world, like it still was in that world, like nothing seemed too outlandish for that world. They seem outlandish for our world, but they, but everything was was fair bounds in this movie. Nothing was in the middle of the movie. Suddenly, let's set a new rule. Let's make a new rule up. Um, Almost, but not quite.
1: (laughs) No, I totally agree. I think the tone is consistent from beginning to end. I think it serves the movie really really well um i do feel like it's a little restrained i i think if you are just seeing this movie without seeing the first one i think it would crack you up to hear us call it restrained does that make sense like because it still is <laughs> it still is over the top and across the line but it, it just i think coming from that first one it feels much more um it, it does feel some restraint from the first one but that's another thing I wanted to bring up. And yeah. I want I want you to tell me uh, what you think about this. Speaking of, if if you didn't see the first one, I think this is almost an impossible movie to enjoy if you haven't seen the first one. I think this movie depends so much on callbacks, uh, whether it's characters or jokes or those kind of things, that I think it would be um, I think you would be confused at why people were laughing at some of the things they were laughing at. Am I wrong about that?
2: Um. Yeah, I'm I'm going through the math in my head. If they for, would for sure be confused at parts of it. I'm I'm not saying somebody who's smart couldn't figure out what's happening. It's not a hard no
1: plot, no, no no no, right. But yeah. you
2: will you will feel you will feel like you'll feel that that you missed something. Absolutely. Yeah
1: yeah. Especially with the jokes. I mean, there's there's entire scenes uh, you know that mirror scenes from the first movie, and so many of those moments rely on you remembering what happened in the mirror version of that scene and there are jokes that play to, you know, again, we mentioned, you know, the, the end of the last movie and the over the lineness of that, there are jokes that play to that joke in this movie without specifically being explicit about it. And I just feel like there's so much of that in this film that it would be a little weird for somebody who hadn't seen the first one.
2: There was a couple of flashbacks that helped you out a little bit. And that was actually helpful for me because it'd been so long since I'd seen it. Right. Yeah. Um, but but even without the flashbacks, there yeah, there's so much there's so much information that is b- built on the blocks of the first one. Yeah, uh, emotional uh, things too, things that help like tie the emotion of the story together. Yeah, no, that's true. Not just the plot of the characters. True. Yeah.
1: What do you think of the performances? Uh,
2: yeah, I thought they I thought they were a blast. Again, I thought they were all pitch perfect in the movie. Um, even the like some of the like the smaller characters are people who I didn't know or didn't recognize or didn't know I know. You know, right? Um, uh, I I thought everybody was right on. I thought the yeah the the way they played to the cliche of the the Southern American was over the top. But again, it's like over the top for everything. It's the same way that they played over the top of a refined gentleman who's British. Right? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Did you have any standout performances?
1: I guess I'll just throw out uh, mine. I think Julianne Moore was so interesting is that villain um you know again there's not a lot of there's not a lot asked of these actors they're playing in a very surfacey uh-huh. world but i i don't know there's yeah. something about her her performance i found really compelling
2: me too and you and i think i i think she was great but i, I think a lot of that that's where i was talking about the writing too like the the character development uh, the character creation of her is so good. I think I, I've said this before on one of the earlier podcasts. My favorite uh, villain of all time is uh, Scorpio from The Simpsons. Okay. Do you, do you remember Scorpio? Yeah,
1: yeah. Hank Scorpio, was, right? Albert
2: Brooks did the voice. Yeah, Hank Scorpio. Um, and the thing that was so great about him is he was just a super nice guy. He was like the best guy. He was so nice. You wanted to work for him. Everything's was great. He just happened to be trying to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> and... And not that that's what I don't. I'm not showing any spoilers because that's not what what's happening with Julianne more especially. But the idea that she belie- doesn't believe herself to be a villain. She believes like that she's and the way she plays it is spot on. it's um it, it makes for it's a blast of a character. You've got people to do the heavy lifting of more menacing and sinister. Um, right. i not. I don't think I'm spoiling because if you've seen the trailer, you you see how kind of sweet she is
1: yeah no it's it's a definitely an interesting performance anything else on the the good side you want you wanted to mention
2: i th- i, I th- just to add a little bit to what we said before we talked about the gleeful the gleefulness of the the violence and then the killing in the first one that it, it works better in this because of the restraint that it's still like the gleefulness in some of the action stuff is still there but now it really works because it's just not so heavy on the soul. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I yeah. think for, for negatives, I'll just start here. It's really my only major negative with the film. Um, it, I think it's too long. And I think I think there's something there's some things in this that could have been really tightened up or even eliminated on the plot element of what's going on here, especially with the drugs. Uh, I felt like the whole war on drugs aspect of this movie, was a little confusing and bloated. Uh, and what I mean by that is I couldn't tell if the movie was like saying, uh, well, I could tell, but I think it was saying both things. It was saying that the war on drugs is, is stupid and we should let people make their own choices, and then also saying that drugs are awful and will, there are consequences. And I guess those two things aren't mutually exclusive, but it just it seemed like a, a confusion to me. And I just thought all that stuff with the president especially could have just been taken out of the movie. Uh, and it just felt like every time uh-huh. I was in that stuff, um, that I, I wanted to get back to another set piece.
2: Yeah, I buy that. Um, I, I don't know that I felt that exactly, but um, I do think that that's I, when I was when we were in those scenes. I was definitely waiting for the next time there's going to be another action scene. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just, we, whole I, thing I with think, Emily Watson, that- it just seemed
1: wasted. Like I just seemed. I don't know. It just it didn't seem like it. It did much for the movie.
2: I definitely thought she was underused. That was one of the things I was gonna. I was gonna say. Um, I thought she was underused in this movie. Um, someone as good as she is, um, I don't know that there's another part in the movie for her. You know what I mean? But um, it was such a. It was almost. It was like a glorified cameo in a sense. Um, yeah. I don't. Know, is that a spoiler too? I don't know. I feel I uh, I uh, I love um, Jeff Bridges too. I felt like he was a little underused, but I again, but it fit for the thing. You know, it fit for the movie. Yeah. So it did, that one didn't bother me, but I would have liked to have seen more of them.
1: Anything on your negative list?
2: I, I do. This is going to sound weird after what we just said was the positives and stuff, but I would have liked uh, more spectacle in uh, at the end of the movie. I felt like that was um, a smaller climax. I'm trying to do it without spoilers. It was a smaller climax in the first movie. Me, and literally, just less people. Even so, I know I said I didn't like the gleeful, you know, murder in the first one, <laughs> but <laughs> I did like. But I did like the spectacle of the action and the fighting and stuff. And there's plenty of fighting, but it's, it, it all seems like a series of sm- smaller battles instead of a. I was missing a big battle. That's what it was. And there, there's there is a big battle, but it, I would have liked for that one to been even bigger.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can I see. Felt, meaning, I can see that. we
2: got to we got to the end of the movie, and I felt like. There should be like where's okay so where's the big one where's the big, and and then I would realize we were already in it. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't think that because I was I was enjoying that kind of final. I mean, there's a coda, there's a little bit of a coda battle, and um, I don't know. Let's talk about it in spoilers. Let's do that because I want I kind of want to hear what you're thinking because okay. yeah, let's let's uh, yeah. let's hold on that conversation till spoilers since it's specifically about the end of the movie, but. I think I hear what you're saying, but sure. I want to hear it in a little more detail. Um, overall, what yeah. do you think? Would you give this a recommend to somebody? I, I,
2: I still think it's got to depend on who it is because there's a lot of people I, I wouldn't want them to think that I was saying, hey, if you like <laughs> 13-year-old boy humor and some gross stuff and some, you know, um, I, I would recommend it to somebody who who liked this type of movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: If well, it's not just—it's not just—it's not just thirteen-year-old boy humor. It's thirteen-year-old boy humor with the worldliness of a full-grown man. You know what I mean? Like, there's—that's there's,
2: it. That's it. Yeah. You,
1: you know what I'm saying? Because there's an innocence to thirteen-year-old humor sometimes that this—that's not what we're talking yeah. about. You know, there's—it's—it's it's the you know—it's yeah. having grown up and knowing what you know about the world and then incorporating it into the sense of humor of a thirteen-year-old.
2: 13-year-old boy who's had who's spent too much time on the internet <laughs> yes that's,
1: that's on the, exactly, yeah precisely so it.
2: so i would not i would not recommend it to my mom <laughs> but i might recommend it to like you <laughs> <laughs> thank you no, but like if you, because I know like with the the action stuff, like that's, the action stuff is worth it. Like it's a blast. And if you right, like, yeah, the, yeah. like fun, good action, like uh, then I would, but I don't want you to think that I'm necessarily recommending the whole movie. There are pieces of the movie I'm recommending. It's like when I recommend the Pink Panther to somebody, I'm not recommending the Pink Panther. I'm recommending a few scenes with Steve Martin. Yeah. You know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I totally, totally yeah. agree. Um, if you saw the first one and you enjoyed the first one, uh, I think you're going to find a lot of that same stuff here. Uh, the, maybe the magic has worn off a little bit because it's not as new or as fresh, but it's still here. And uh, But, you yeah. know, if, if you saw the first one and hated it, just stay away. And if you didn't see the first one, um, you know, then I think you should stay away too because, honestly, I don't know that you'll get it anyway or a lot of it, so... Um, but yeah, I think a cautious uh, recommend for the right more.
2: person. an uh, interesting thing, I think, a piece of information about it. I th- the first one was based on a, uh, a graphic novel, but the second one was not. So the second one abandoned the source material, if I'm not misunderstanding. Um, so the first one was was based, pulled right out of the store, like out of the script, out of the pages. But the but the second one was a completely original story, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Let's move on to our Best Ever Challenge, Uh, Josh. We're going to talk about Julianne Moore. She played the villain in this. Uh, So we're going to do our Best Ever Julianne Moore movies. We will go from uh, number three to number one. And uh, if you have one higher than me, just uh, trump it, and we'll talk about it when you're ready to, and I will do the same for you. Uh, We'll also do some honorable mentions at the end. Uh, Just as uh, kind of an intro to this topic and this Best Ever Challenge, Man, has she been in some impressive movies. (laughs) Like She's got quite a filmography. She
2: has, and she's kind of a workhorse, right? She's not necessarily the selling point of a lot of these movies, but she um, you can count on her in them.
1: Yeah, it's impressive stuff. Well, let's start with your number three. What do you got at number three?
2: Um, At number three, I'm going to have to um, go with uh, Lost World.
1: Jurassic Park?
2: Jurassic Park, Lost World, yeah.
1: Yeah, I had that in my uh, honorable mentions uh for her but uh i don't know i i mean if if it had been the original jurassic park i'm sure it would have made my top three but lost world is lost world by this point though is kind of underrated i think uh it's a pretty decent movie
2: you and i've had this conversation i think jurassic park is is better but i actually enjoy lost world more than jurassic park. that's right and yeah that's, um blasphemy to some people (laughs) but I felt like everything that people wanted in the first one like the second one was just doubled down on all the action all of the Rube Goldberg action sequences from Spielberg um and you know more gold more gold (laughs) bloom all the best (laughs) stuff more of it and I thought she and she's great in it you know and she's um she fits the scene great and she like I said she just does she does a great job in whatever she does yeah, no. she wasn't top billing. I mean, you know,
1: she's great in it. Uh, you know, and Spielberg's still directing it, and Spielberg knows how to make movies, and it's a very well made yeah, film. So, uh, yeah, I think it's underrated by this point. I don't, I don't blame you for for liking it more than Jurassic Park. I just think maybe you've, you know, maybe you've lost your mind a little bit, but that's that's okay.
2: <laughs> well, I said I know it's not better. I just <laughs> like it more. Let's let's be <laughs> let's thread the needle there. Yeah. Uh, All right, what's your number three?
1: My number three will probably get trumped by you, I'm guessing, because most people like this movie even more than I do. Uh, But I had Magnolia at number three.
2: Oh, you know what? I didn't because for that reason. I was like, I'm pretty sure Aaron's going to have Magnolia on there. So (laughs) I actually didn't put it on. I forgot about it after I I did that. So it's not on my list, although it should be 100%.
1: Um, Man, what... Weird and great movie. Uh, I just, I don't like it quite as much. I'm not quite as much of a PT guy as, as a lot of people are. Um, his weirdness is a little much for me at some points, and I want a, a little more structure in my plot and story. Um, yeah. Especially when you're looking at something like, what was it, like The Master, or, you know, I just sometimes walk away from his stuff. Did he do the one, what was his the last one he did? Uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix was in it. Um,
2: uh, inherent Vice.
1: Yeah, that was incomprehensible was that to me. Yeah. I just, like, I just, I, yeah. I got to the end of that movie, and I was like, I don't, I don't even know what happened. Like, I just, I don't, I like, yeah. I think I'm a pretty astute movie watcher. I just was like. Yeah, no, I'm... <laughs> I, I'm the
2: same way. I feel like his movies are always extremely, extremely watchable, but by the time I and i'm not always happy i'm always happy with the destination <laughs> right but i'm always in on the journey but yeah. i would say magnolia is at the top of that the top of Agreed. his list for me like, i agree i feel like that's one of his most accessible and um and that was right at the beginning of it It was number two his second movie or third right it yeah was i think so yeah, yeah and so he was yeah and i there was so, that one was a um Definitely a movie for actors too, so that's yeah. one of the reasons she she can stand out in that is because he loves his actors, man. Yeah, for he sure. He gives them good stuff.
1: Yep yeah. what's your uh, What's your number two?
2: It probably for some people be no- number one, but Big Lebowski is going to be my number two. I, I, had like my, uh, I had it in my
1: I had it my honorable mentions. So I love that we're we're having yeah. different lists here. Uh, again, that's one that I'm yeah. not quite as much a fan of as a lot of people. I love it. Um, but I, you know, it's just it's not as untouchable as, as some people have it.
2: Yeah, I feel like if we hadn't talked about it, I bet we're gonna have the same number one. I bet. I bet if we hadn't talked about it, we would have got comments though, because it is it's like 101, you know, oh, film 101. Sure. If you're talking about any actor that's in it, yeah. Um, and it's just such a blast of a movie too, and it's one of the Coen Brothers' m- most fun. And of course the cult the cult status on it.
1: See that's the thing for me. I feel like the cult status has elevated it to be a better movie than it really is. I think it's overrated by this point. Um, honestly, if I'm ranking Cohen brother films, I don't think it's in my top eight. I bet I could think of eight Cohen brother okay. films I like more than The Big Lebowski. And again, that doesn't mean it's a bad. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'd have to pull up. I'd have to pull up IMDb, and I don't want to take the time to do it. <laughs>
2: sure, do, no, I know. Yeah. Um,
1: but. But yeah, so it's just one of those things where I I still love the movie. Uh, I love almost everything the Coen Brothers have done, but I just I think yeah. it has more uh, more flaws to it than than some of the others.
2: When it came out, I remember thinking, um, "Oh, that, that was fine." I, you know, I knew I should like it because it's Coen Brothers, right? And I was like, "Yeah, it's solid or whatever." Rewatching it recently. Um, I love it more than I ever did when it came out, and you know what? And, maybe and, I do and, need to rewatch. And that's it. the part of the reason I avoided it was because of that cult status and people quoting it and stuff. And I'm like, well, I you know I don't smoke weed and I don't bowl, so maybe it's not for <laughs> me. But going back and and watching it again, like it really is just uh, it's just a blast. I mean, I, I still don't. I'm not a huge fan of like tripping sequences in movies, where you know, yeah. Um, so that scene, which I know a lot of people love, I still don't love that scene particularly. Um, I feel like that's an easy out for for filmmakers whenever they want to show, like, we, just, oh, mm-hmm. no, it's a weird dream sequence or whatever. Um, but other than that, man, that movie just really holds solid for me.
1: Uh, ready for my number two? Yes. Uh, my number two is The Fugitive.
2: Oh, nice. <laughs> Now I'm gonna be honest. That one wasn't even on my radar.
1: I didn't. It wasn't on mine either. Till I looked up the movie she was in, uh, I, I you know, I would have a hard time telling you what she did in that movie. But man, do I love me some fugitive.
2: <laughs> uh, that is what a great movie. What a um wow, that's nice pool, man.
1: Yeah, um,
2: that's like right. That's like a right under your nose pool.
1: <laughs> And again, it doesn't have a lot to do with Julianne Moore, but you know, if the question is what are the three sure. best movies she's been in, um, it's it's yeah. absolutely one of them. Uh, but I I do That's love the great. Fugitive. That is one. That is one of the most rewatchable movies for me. Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford in that are just perfect in that movie. It, I mean, Tommy yeah. Lee Jones is so good in that movie that you know it that they made U.S. Marshals because of that character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh And yeah. yeah. And uh, it's just, it's so fun to watch from beginning to end and just such a great journey. So that's that's a good movie.
2: Um, did he, did he, this is going to either make me sound brilliant or like an idiot. Did he get an Academy Award nomination for that, for supporting actor for that?
1: Yeah. Not only was he nominated, he won an Oscar for that role. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he won the uh, Best Supporting Actor Academy Award in 1994 for The Fugitive. Uh, he has been nominated three other times. Uh, once before that for JFK for Best Supporting Actor, and then a couple of years ago for Lincoln for Best Supporting Actor, and then In the Valley of Ela, he was nominated for Best Actor uh-huh. in 2008. Good pull, us. <laughs> Good pull, you. Uh all right, let's move on to uh your number 1. What's your number 1, Julianne Moore movie? Probably the same as mine, I'm guessing.
2: Children of Men? Yep, that's the one. I knew it. What a great movie, man.
1: It, yeah, it's got to be. It's one of those movies too that continues to rise in esteem the, you know, the longer it goes. I feel like even up until maybe 4 or 5 years ago, it was just a good movie and I feel like there's been more pieces written over, you know, the last 4 years on Children of Men and how amazing it is. Uh, you know, uh, it's just interesting to see that movie kind of grow in esteem.
2: Yeah. Um I yeah, I don't know what we could say anything more awesome about it. Like the it's everybody's great, the story's great. It's in the future, which is cool. There's some great but the the technique technically it's great. Just great. She's great in it. So much great. So much great. All the great in the world.
1: Uh, I did hear somebody. Did you hear this? That uh, people are saying that the TV show The Handmaid's Tale is a prequel to Children of Men, which makes a lot of sense when you really start to think about it. I don't know if you've even seen it, but
2: I haven't. But I would now. I watch it now. <laughs> I haven't heard that, and I didn't know that.
1: I mean, Clive Owen's not in it or anything. I'm just saying there's some interesting, you know, things going on.
2: That's interesting. I didn't. Know, yeah, I didn't know. Um, I'll just. I'm gonna read on that. Some actually. Yeah. Cause I have been looking for a reason. Though everybody says the Handmaid's Tale is great, but it's hard to um, it's been hard to motivate it for me. Yeah, um, I, I'm the same way with maybe those. That's what I need
1: with those uh, those movies and TV shows. People are like, oh, it's so hard to watch, but it's so good. And I'm just like, I don't want stuff that's hard to watch. <laughs> like, like I like easy <laughs> viewing experiences. Yes. <laughs> um, I didn't find The Handmaid's have- Tale as difficult to watch as a lot of people are saying, which makes me sound like an awful person. Uh, but it, it is, I, I get what they were, I get what people mean when they say it's hard to watch, but I do think it's a very important exploration oh. of uh, some things, especially that we have going on in culture even currently.
2: thats I've heard it was relevant, really relevant. Yeah. I hear that.
1: yeah, absolutely. Can I throw out some honorable mentions for you? Or actually you throw out yours first since you've just got a couple.
2: All right, I have two. Um, the first one is uh, Evolution. It's a guilty pleasure movie. Wait, is
1: that the David um, Duchovny movie?
2: Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about that movie that I love it so much for what it's trying to be and what it almost is and what I'm, it actually I is you. at moments. Yeah, I can't help it. I, I love the movie. <laughs> what a
1: great um, choice. And
2: she doesn't play anything... She doesn't play anything especially amazing. It you know the characters aren't super well. They're little archetypey, you know. And but she's really solid in it, you know. Um, uh, I
1: haven't thought about that, that movie that... in years. <laughs> that movie had passed from my mind of existence. Uh, that is, <laughs> that is great. Now I kind of want to watch it again.
2: I, I it's been a, it's been a little while since I've seen it. I'll be honest, but um... I
1: love me some David Duchovny.
2: Right, like it's a sol- it's a it's just a solid concept, and it's not a bad. I mean, the story's fine. What else did you have? Um, so this is one, and this one came up because it's um recently resurfaced with me. But there was an HBO TV movie, early '90s called "Cast a Deadly Spell." Wow. Um, that was um Fre- uh, Fred. Um, oh shoot, uh, from Tremors, Fred. Uh, It'll come to me, but it, the movie is basically a, 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 a like a, a play on a nineteen forties noir, like L.A. noir movie. Only everybody in, in in the movie uses magic. It's like a common thing.
1: Whoa! Um,
2: it was so it was so weird when I saw it, and I recently discovered that it was on um, uh, on Amazon Prime, and so I watched it again. It was still. F- Good, but it wasn't amazing. But that moment when I saw it, whenever I was, you know, in high school, I thought it was the like the most brilliant thing I had seen. And the conceptually, it's awesome. Um, but she plays uh, like a the classic noir femme fatale nightclub singer mm-hmm. who gets you know wrapped up into the mystery and can he trust her? Can he not trust her? Or whatever? Yeah. Um, anyway, it's 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 a it's worth watching just for the like what a weird like snippet of film history it it is um and it still is good it's not amazing it's still a good movie you know
1: wow that's such a like i haven't even heard of that like i there's no way i even knew that was a thing that's awesome so cool. i feel like we have to mention boogie nights uh i feel like we also have to mention shortcuts uh the altman film yeah. Um, and yeah. Crazy Stupid Love is probably another one that we probably should mention. Uh, a lot of yeah. love for that film. That was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah. then there's some that I personally uh, feel like I should mention. Uh, Don John. I don't know if you ever got a chance to see Don John. Uh, with Joseph. I did. G- Joseph- I like that one. Yeah, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and her. I love the message of that movie. I love what it has to say about authenticity yeah. uh, and as it relates to love yeah. and sex. And I, I just think it's a, a really powerful movie as... I mean, again, it, you know, you talk about something like Kingsman that's over the line. It's not necessarily over the line except to kind of shock and make you laugh. You know, and then you look at something like Don John that, you know, pushes those boundaries as well, especially kind of in the sexual area, but it's doing it with a purpose. Yeah. You know, it's just, I, I just thought that movie was, yeah. was really well done.
2: But also, like, really restrained. Yeah. In, in oh, sure. In a specific sure, yeah. way.
1: Well, it's, I mean, it's not pornography, no, but... <laughs> it just deals with pornography um so yeah
2: you don't ever see it yeah they, it, it you see him see it but you I right thought that was a like a really smart choice in that
1: the way movie. it relates pornography for men to romantic comedies for women i think is such a powerful and accurate metaphor for the authenticity of love and the inauthenticity of love for both genders uh sure. just, just a yeah. beautiful beautiful way to see things he directed that, too, right? Yes, yeah, did. he yeah, write he it, did. too, or just direct it? I'm not sure if he wrote it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I know he directed it. Um, yeah. Then I also wanted to mention some guilty pleasures. Oh, before I mention the guilty pleasures, the other one I think we have to mention is maybe her uh, most critically acclaimed performance, which just came out last year, I think, which is Still Alice. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to see Still Alice, she does incredible work there. The movie itself is a little... I haven't seen that one. A little slow for me at times, but it's a really powerful film, and her performance is absolutely incredible in it. So I did want to mention that. Uh, and then two guilty pleasures uh, that I would mention. One is a film called Nonstop, stop uh, which is an airline thriller uh, that I think is <laughs> is better than it has any right to be. I do remember that one. <laughs> so I wanted to mention Nonstop. I remember that one, yeah. And then I wanted to go back in the day and mention Assassins, uh, with Antonio Banderas in uh, Sylvester Stallone, because uh, she's in that as well. That's a guilty pleasure of oh. mine too.
2: That was definitely a movie I, I wanted to like. I remember when it came out, I really wanted to like. What
1: Assassins? It.
2: Um, yeah,
1: it's not a great movie, but there are some moments in it that <laughs> are are really fun and interesting. And uh, there's something about um, Apex Antonio Banderas that I find so fascinating and cool. Like, I just, I don't know. Uh, that man is just like the definition of suave uh, when he was at his heights, uh, which I guess is why he plays, you know, what is it, um, Puss in Boots that way in the Shrek movies, too. Like, he hasn't lost that necessarily. Yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah, it's just a, an interesting persona. So there you go. Julianne Moore films. Um, I, think, uh, I think Children of Men has to be on top, but there's there's plenty in her repertoire that yeah. is critically acclaimed stuff.
2: And she's solid. It's the thing. She's solid. In everything. She's not only. It's not always a movie about her or for her, but she's. Um, she's just a workhorse. She. She is, solid at whatever she does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the most critically acclaimed and best movie of any of the ones we've mentioned has to be Evolution. Um... Evolution. <laughs> <laughs> before we head on to the rest of the show I do want to remind you about patreon you can support this podcast network at patreon.com slash studio DNA starts at three bucks a month get some pretty fun perks with it and uh, do want to announce that a new podcast is joining the network so when you get your patron podcast feed for supporting um, you will be able to hear episodes of the horrible movie podcast as well including the uh, patron only bonus episodes that you hear for podcast. Uh, podcast that's on the network if you want more information kind of want to know what's going on you can go to patreon.com studio dna and thank you so much for supporting these podcasts and making it possible for us to do what we do all right uh let's do a sift quest this is where you launch us on a quest for answers whether it be to solve a debate that you've had with a friend or just something you've always been curious about uh, you can give us a SIFT Quest on Twitter. You can tweet me at Aaron Dicer or do hashtag SIFT Quest. Uh, you can also email us, which is, SIFPOP, um, which is feedback at dot com. This one comes to us from Blake on Twitter who says, I want to hear movies that were ruined or saved by casting choices. Movies mm, that were ruined that or one. saved by casting choices um let's start with the movies that were ruined by casting choices and then we'll finish on the positive end of things uh with movies that were saved by casting choices um what do you have for for movies that were ruined by their casting choices
2: um you know what i misunderstood the question a little bit and when i took the or i picked one and i just (laughs) did movies that were saved by casting choices (laughs) (laughs) but if anything (laughs) off the anything off the top of your head That movies that were ruined by casting choices. Yeah. Um, Oh, not not off the top of my head. All right, Um, so I think... Why don't you start see if that spawns something? Sure. No, no, no,
1: that's fine. Uh, The only thing I came... I think the one... um, I think the the one that would come to mind for a lot of people are probably the Star Wars prequels. You think of, like, Hayden Christensen or Jake Lloyd, you know, anybody that they cast to play Vader in earlier years. The thing is... Those movies have a lot more <laughs> that's ruining them than just the casting. Uh, so Sure. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know that you could blame them, but I think a lot of people have mentioned those. I, this was the harder one for me to think of movies, I have to admit. I don't know. I, and what I realized while doing both of these, actually, is that I don't know that I put a lot of stock in the power of casting being the most important thing. I feel like when I was thinking of movies that were saved by casting, I was like, well, but there are other things in that movie that are awesome that, you know, save it. You know what I mean? So casting seems to be less important uh, than I thought maybe it was. Um, sure. But, yeah, but there I think there are, you know, miscast roles. The only one recently that I thought of was uh, Valerian in The Thousand Planets. Absolutely suffers yeah. from its casting choices. Dane DeHaan is the absolute wrong person for that lead role. Uh, and I think the movie does uh, is almost ruined because of it.
2: I, here's what I don't know that these were ruined because of the casting, but I do know that because of the casting made me not want to watch them. Okay. But um, – the two, the two Punishers, the Punisher from the 90s and the, the Punisher more recent with Thomas Jane. I say more recent, that was still like, what, 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. But both of those, it seemed like for such an iconic character, um, they, they've they shot, they undershot what they thought the potential of that movie was. Uh, at least with the second one, I think they put their, their, their money on the villain and John Travolta was the bad guy in that one, right? But... The f- yeah, t- Dolph Lundgren was a poor choice, and Thomas Jane seems like he was a poor choice. Now, having not seen the movies, I don't know if that's really the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me not want to watch it.
0: I well, remember that ruins the the, movie. Uh, the,
2: uh, the remake of, um what's the surf movie, right? Um, Point Break? Yeah, Point Break. The remake of that I never watched, but it was the same thing. I was like, if you're going to remake something that's so iconic to so many people, why would you fill it with... And maybe they're very popular people, but it did, the casting didn't stand out to me at all.
1: No, that's true. Yeah, I mean, casting absolutely plays, I think, a big role in your desire to see a movie or not. Um, yeah. So it's just once you get down to brass tacks, I'm just like, I'm not sure, again, that the Point Break sequel is bad because of the casting. I think it's you know bad sure. for a lot of other reasons. Um, <laughs> that's just one of many. Um, but saved yeah. by casting, it, I think, is an easier topic.
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right.
1: So why don't you kick us off? What are, what are some of your choices for uh, saved movies that have been saved by their casting?
2: All right. I got a couple of unpopular ones, and I can't wait for some blowback on this. <laughs> um, but my number one, I, I do not think Tombstone is a good movie. Okay. And I know people love this movie, and I think if you took Val Kilmer out of it as Doc, I don't think people would like that movie nearly as much as they do.
1: Interesting.
2: It's incohesive. The movie fell apart during the shooting, and Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell came in and finished directing it themselves. Like The the climax of the movie, instead of an action scene, is this montage of horses chasing each other. Um, It's full of non-sequiturs that are probably true to Wyatt Earp's life, but have nothing to do with the story they're trying to tell. You take Val Kilmer out of that movie, that, no, I don't I guarantee you it would not have all the fans that it has
1: yeah that's probably a pretty unpopular opinion uh, you know <laughs> yeah. um, good for you I actually don't have a strong opinion about Tombstone so I'm not gonna you know <laughs> fight back on you too much uh, but you're right the casting in that is a very big part of why the movie succeeds um, yeah so yeah I know that's a great choice. Uh, I, and
2: it does have solid... the rest of the casting is pretty solid too. I mean Sam Elliott's in it and like Kurt Russell is solid. But yeah, that's the that's the standout I think that's the standout reason for that movie.
1: I think there are there are two franchises that I want to mention that I think casting is one of the main reasons they are beloved as much as they are, but they're also great in other ways. So I don't know that they completely fit this category. But I have to bring up first uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. I think casting plays a huge role in how well those movies turned out. Uh, I think it's one of the most incredible casting jobs, uh, almost you know from, yeah. from A to Z uh, on that movie. Uh, and then the other one is the, the new Star Trek movies, I think, are cast so extremely well yeah. you know, to recast these characters that we know and love. And actually, in both in- instances, casting characters that we know and love uh, can be a difficult thing, and when you get it right... Uh, it just it just makes the movies so much better. Uh, as far as this category fitting more into it, I think the answer for me, the obvious answer, is uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean.
2: Oh, that me too, man. That
1: is that was
2: the next one on my list.
1: Is is it? Yeah, I think that's the I think that's yeah. the primary example of a movie that is actually saved by its casting. I think that that might be an yeah. awful film without Johnny Depp.
2: Well, it's a truly mediocre film at least mm-hmm. without Johnny Depp, and I would say that the sequel. The rest of the movie stepped up to Johnny Depp. After that, I lost track of which one was which, but the second one was, you know, I, I was the movie catching up to Johnny Depp from the first movie.
1: Well, yeah, and in 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 some ways, even the reason I've liked the sequels less and less is because they're trying to make the movies about Johnny Depp, which the first one wasn't necessarily about him. He was kind of sure. the you know the the side character. Um, but because he did such a great job, they've almost centered the universe around him, which I think has been to its detriment in some ways. But yeah, I think that's an example of one. And then since I stole your your other one, I'll throw out one more. Again, this actually may be an okay movie without him, but I think he makes the movie, and it's uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. I think that casting choice yeah. may not have saved that movie. It still might have done okay. But considering everything that was at stake for Marvel, with that being their first independently produced movie in the Marvel Universe, um, I think Robert Downey Jr. may be in some ways responsible for how big the Marvel Universe is because of his performance in that movie.
2: I'll, be, I'll, I'll say that um, that went through my head as well when I was making my list, um, just because he was so perfect and they did. he was able to launch... The whole franchise with that, and they were able to, with that, recognize the formula and what worked about it, and use that and play it into all the rest of them. I thought so. Yeah, I I almost said that myself, but that was the same thing. I was like, I think it's a it's a great movie with even without him, but you can't. It's the, he's so inter, intertwined with it. You can't even do that. You can't even pull yeah. him out of the equation. Yeah, you can't to even see put what anybody, it would look like. You
1: can't even like substitute anybody else in. It just it just feels so wrong. You know.
2: Well, you figure too, like whatever the script was, he's got his own version of that script. The, the, right. That were how he made it his own, how he made Tony Stark his own. You know, I guarantee you all that wasn't on paper.
1: Yep, yeah. absolutely. No, I,
2: I I buy that.
1: Uh, ready to finish up with some buried treasure? Yeah, man. All right, what do you got? Since you mentioned Star Trek, there's
2: a game on your phone that you can play called Star Trek Timelines, and it is for super nerds. Um, it is a blast. I've been playing it for a couple of months, I guess. Um, basically, the the premise is uh, there's a time anomaly, and all Star Trek universes are all mixed together. And you can build a crew from anybody and everybody in the Star Trek universe oh, because that's in this universe, everybody in this universe, is, like bad or good, They're, everybody. It's kind of like the um, the 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 mirror universe. Exists in this too. So sometimes there's good versions of bad people and bad versions of good people. Um, so you can create a whole new crew where you got, you know, villain and hero side by side fighting for you. But it's a lot of, um, it's not a lot of like real time gameplay. There's a little bit of that sort of stuff. Like, Creating your characters and your ships, making them strong enough that so that when you put them in, mission, you're really just pushing a button, and it's kind of like the roll of the dice in a sense, you know, uh, a little bit of an RPG flavor in that sense. It's all about the the work you do on the front end with creating your your creating your crew, um, and then statistics and all that jazz. And they have um, new like new uh, games that come through like for like forty eight hour periods of a time, so you can play these new games which have this very specific prizes you can try and win which maybe they're upgraded characters um stuff like that but um it's a blast if you're a star trek fan the truth is you probably already know about this game um (laughs) but if you're not and you know it's it's the sort of thing that you can you can spend a couple hours with at a time or you can just kind of check in and beef up your stats a little bit and maybe play a mission or something to help try and earn a prize and then and then you know put it away you know till the next day. And it resets every 24 hours with giving you um, new goals and stuff. So it's a blast.
1: No, that definitely, that sounds really interesting. Um, It's interesting that that's what you chose because My Buried Treasure uh, is connected to a new mobile game uh, from Ah. a beloved universe uh, that is also sci-fi. It is not Star Trek. It is Futurama. Uh, They've got a new... They've got a new game out, and my actual buried treasure isn't the game itself, because I haven't played it, so I I don't know much about the game.
2: I did play it a little bit.
1: Oh, did did. you? Well, maybe you can speak to to how good the game is. What I know is that the Nerdist podcast actually launched an audio-only episode of Futurama to promote the game, and it's uh, about, I think it's about an hour long, and it is so good. It is it is Futurama meets you know a radio play and nice. it, same writers, uh, same actors. It is it is an episode of Futurama, and if you love that show, then I, you know it's definitely something you're going to want to seek out. Uh, it was the latest episode on the Nerdist podcast, so oh, uh, nice. you can you can download it and check that out. But it's to promote the game, and of course, there's a lot of meta jokes about promoting the game and meta jokes about podcasting and different things in it uh, that I found really great. Chris Hardwick, who does the Nerdist podcast as well as all of Nerdist you know, stuff, yeah. uh, actually yeah. voices the villain in the episode, and uh, it is about podcasting, so there's a lot of great meta stuff there, which you'd expect with Futurama, uh, so yeah. it's, it's really funny and really good, so I think people should check that out.
2: That's a great one. Yeah, man. Well, that's cool.
1: Yeah, so Nerdist Podcast, check it out, download the latest episode. Well, we did it, Josh! We actually did a podcast amidst all the technical difficulties that hopefully you have no idea about because it all sounded wonderful. Uh, We managed to make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today for SIF Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash DNA. Mixler is spelled M-I-X-L-R, and just .com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru. It's Josh from the Nether Region. Woohoo! That's my name. Don't wear it out. Do you want to point people to uh, on the internets to find more of your stuff?
2: Uh, absolutely. Well, you can go to at uh, nether underscore region, um, I believe. That's it. And um, at and, uh, Josh W. Childs is my personal one as well. Um, and I got you know always got something going on uh, you know I'm an actor I'm a writer we got the thing we got the other thing so we're always <laughs> moving so there's always something there's always something to, to see or talk about or hear
1: about or gripe about sounds, sounds just like life also much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible support starts at three bucks a month comes with some pretty fun perks you can find out more at patreon.com studiodna studio DNA get those perks <laughs> that's, right, that's right thank you Josh I appreciate that. There's a lot of ways to connect with the podcast. Uh, SoundCloud, you can tweet at us, uh, iTunes, or you can email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than getting a tattoo with molten precious metals. (laughs) Spoiler chat should be coming up in your podcast feed next, and we will see you back next week for a look at the movie uh, American Maid.